Back with you guys after a couple of weeks off. Yeah, and I, I, heard, I heard that Megan did really good the first week, so I came back the second week. And uh, I'm a, I was a little concerned for my job, so I thought I better get back up there. But we're really, actually in reality, I don't know very many uh, worship leaders who have the gift of teaching like she does, and so we've encouraged her in that, and so we're really glad, we're really blessed to have her part of our worship team, so you guys encourage her with that. She did a great job. <clears throat> Makes me feel comfortable to know you guys are in good hands, seriously, when, um, especially when you need a break from me. So... Um, we're going to continue with, by the way, I'm Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here in the garden. It's a good crowd for the summer. And by the way, if you see a bunch of nightlife kids around, they look like they're in, in beach clothes. Um, we're going to the beach afterwards for a big cookout. We had the, the atheist kids who don't go to church. We, we punished them by having them go get the tables for us early. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Pastor Joe, they look the same as they do every Sunday. And that's right, they do. But this time, they really look like they're going to the beach. So even my staff is dressed in beach clothes. I almost thought about preaching in beach clothes, but some of you might be offended, and I'm very concerned about that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to continue with, uh, with Love from Prison, this series we've been doing on the book of Philippians. We've been talking about this amazing affection that Paul had for the church at Philippi. And Megan did a great job with the, uh, the middle part of chapter 2 last week talking about serious conversations and how to have a serious conversation with someone that you love. And um, she was talking mainly about the fact that there's grumbling and fighting, and grumbling really means when you complain secretly. <clears throat> and Paul really kind of confronts the Philippians on this secret grumbling. He says, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And Paul has amazing affection for these people. So because of that, He's not afraid to tell it like it is, which is a form of accountability. But we're going to take a twist on accountability today that I don't think you've ever considered. Because as a man charged with their spiritual well-being, Paul decides to send some accountability to the Philippians. But it's out of love. It's not out of trying to get them. But he says, look, you're a great group of people. You're a great church. But you've been struggling in this area. So I'm sending a couple of guys. And so this week we're talking about loving through accountability. Loving through accountability. And you have to understand something. There is the word accountability, it sounds so medicinal, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds so like, you know, okay, here's a shot. Okay, it's going to taste bad, but drink this. That's what accountability sounds like at first. It sounds like, uh-oh, you got caught kind of thing. That's kind of scary, but I think what we can do today is transform our first visceral gut reaction to the word accountability and transform it into something warm. So let's look at the passage, and I have it up there uh, broken down for if you don't have a Bible app on your phone or a Bible with you, you can follow it along, along there or, or look at it in your, in your own seat there. Timothy and Epaphroditus, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be able, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. 
For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. I want to stop there. Remember what he said earlier? Look out not only for your interests, but also for the interests of others. Because I'm sending you a guy who knows that. He's lived it. He understands that. <clears throat> you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it goes with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. But I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my needs. So he says, I'm sending Timothy, and I'm sending one of your own, who you sent to help me back. For Epaphroditus, he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So sending Epaphroditus would make Paul less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. What an amazing story. Now remember, this comes upon the heels of him in context, just holding them accountable for grumbling. So in context, you have to understand, his flow into sending Timothy and Epaphroditus is, in, you know, it's intertwined and related to what he said previously, which is, don't be grumblers. The context, these aren't two separate things. These are combined, it's a, it's a total pericope, a total teaching area that Paul is laying out and saying, this is what's happening, therefore, this is what I want you to do, and I'm sending these guys to make sure. See, accountability, let me, let me define for you what accountability should be for us. Accountability is fellow believers helping each other keep what they have committed to do before God on the foundation of a loving, trusting relationship. Again, accountability is fellow believers helping each other keep what we have committed to do before God on the foundation of a loving, trusting relationship. Because without accountability and submission to one another, which Paul talked about, did he not? And James talked about it, submit yourselves to one another. Church is loveless. Church becomes something you consume to merely fulfill your desire for music, certain types of liturgy or fellowship or maybe entertainment or food parties. Guys, liturgy and worship, whether contemporary or traditional, are not what draw you closer to God. You may feel like it does, it does not. Contemporary or traditional liturgy or worship does not change you. 
It is powerless to transform you. There are only two things that transform you. God's word and relationships with God's people. Accountability is the key ingredient that makes relationships truly beneficial. Relationships without accountability are just selfish. They're relationships for consumption. There are relationships that are surfacy. They're a mile wide and an inch deep. And when storms come, they often fall apart in tatters. So if accountability is a key ingredient, I want to look at how to earn the privilege to provide accountability. And we're going to look at this through the passage that we just read. The first thing I want you to see is credibility is necessary. Credibility is a pattern that demonstrates integrity and commitment to the gospel. We see that in verse 19 to 22. Paul outlines it, and he says, I hope in the Lord to send these guys to you soon, for I have no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He was with me from the beginning with the gospel. He's been through my hard times. He's been through my bad times. Timothy was a well-known person in the New Testament church. He was with Paul in the beginning, and he helped Paul plant all these churches. And Paul had a special relationship with Timothy. Timothy, guys, was the most important person in Paul's life. They did ministry together. They suffered together. Everyone knew him. They knew that he was Paul's right-hand man. And listen, for Paul to send Timothy to Philippi speaks of just how much he loved the Philippians. He wanted to make sure that they had accountability. Why? Because shepherding without accountability is just surface love. So Paul says, I'm going to send you somebody that has more credibility than anyone else I know of in the world right now. This, to me, is the most important person in the world from my perspective, and I'm sending him to you. Wow. So you got to have credibility. Timothy's got credibility. And so does Epaphroditus, for that matter, and we'll see that a little bit later. But accountability also has to have details. Accountability should have boundaries and targets. And Paul explained when he would send them. And in the previous passage, he explained what area, why he was sending them, why he wanted to provide accountability. It was in the area of this secret complaining, this grumbling that Megan talked about. See, I believe that accountability needs to have specific, agreed-upon guidelines and purposes ahead of time. Otherwise, Resentment can creep in. And so one of the things that you have to do to earn the privilege is say, look, here's the credibility. Here are the guidelines. Here are the details. This is what the accountability will contain. This is where it will be focused. This is what it's about. And the next ingredient is history. In verse 26 and 27, we see that. 
we see that there's a track record of loving sacrifice. Epaphroditus nearly died trying to bridge the gap between where the Philippians were falling short, Paul says. He made up for the gap in your service to me. And it's a privilege that is earned, right? Because there is a history there of showing, look, I'm here, I'm sacrificing, I'm working, I'm alongside of you through the good times and through the bad. There is a track record. There is a history. I'm not some Johnny-come-lately trying to tell you what's wrong with you. Guys, I'm just being real with you. There are some people who will come up to me and offer me accountability and as they're speaking, all I can hear in my mind are cuss words. Right? Because they don't have the, the history. They don't have the credibility. There's no details. I don't know them. Why should I trust you? Why should I make myself, I don't know who you are. But when somebody has a history in your life, they're earning the privilege. Can you see how cold and loveless it really is to deny someone with a track record of caring for you the privilege of being accountability for you? Can you see how manipulative and calculated it is that somebody serves alongside of you and ministers to you and helps you and loves you and cares for you for year after year, but you don't let them in? Who are you? How selfish of you to get all the benefits that you think your flesh wants and needs, but not to allow the person the privilege of holding you accountable in other areas. The next thing, and this leads us, and it's kind of a nice segue from history and how cold-hearted it is to not allow somebody to hold you accountable if they have credibility and details in history, and this is affection. You have to have affection. Verse 28 to 30, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, I am the more eager. That word eager means like I'm passionate to send him therefore to you that you may rejoice, affection, rejoice at seeing him again and so that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. There's the idea of joy again and affection. Honor such men. Have love and respect for them. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So there's affection. Accountability, this is where we have to make sure we understand. This is where accountability, we're going to start making this shift for you from accountability feeling medicinal and legal. Accountability isn't discipline. You got that? It's not punishment. Accountability is friendship. And devotion. As a matter of fact, punishment and discipline will often occur when accountability is lacking. So in reality, accountability is a diversion away from the necessity of punishment or discipline. Accountability is what rescues you from having punishment or discipline or consequences. Accountability isn't a consequence. Accountability is friendship. Accountability is devotion. Punishment and discipline occur when accountability is lacking or when love is lacking. Think of the pain and failure you will be spared 
when you have people that love you through what I call affectionate accountability. I want to leave that word up there for just a minute. Because it's a new term that I hope to burn into your mind before you leave today. <clears throat> and my hope is that every time you hear the word accountability, you will immediately attach the word affectionate to it. I want to change and transform your perspective of how accountability feels in your gut when you hear it. I want you to begin to hear the word accountability and hear affection. Accountability, love. Accountability, devotion. No longer associate accountability with discipline or punishment. That comes when accountability is lacking. You see, we must have affection for accountability. In fact, affectionate accountability is a sure sign that there is love in our church family. Otherwise, we are just a surface congregation that spends a lot of money on getting together one day a week. And we never grow. Let me tell you something in my life. I have been so blessed in this area. I mean, there is a list of people. It's not a massively long list, but it's a pretty good-sized list. They know who they are. They have earned, through their history and their credibility and their affection, they have earned the privilege to call me anytime, day or night, to call me out on stuff. Some of you are in this room. And even if I don't agree with them, I will hear them. Why? Because I know they love me and I trust their motives. Yes, they could be wrong, but their motives are right. And so when they call me, I know it's not them trying to bash me over the head. It's they, them saying, Joe, I love you and I have some concerns because I want you to avoid discipline and punishment. <clears throat> you see, I affectionately, passionately, worshipfully receive them as sources of accountability and in fact, I feel privileged that they hold that role in my life. Because let me tell you, holding Pastor Joe accountable is not fun. <laughs> it's a full-time job. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. No, don't ask her. I take that back. <laughs> Forget I said that. I feel privileged that they would do that for me in my life. And I hope... I hope and I pray, God, please be this, this is the case, that these people feel privileged that they are part of my accountability. Because not everybody earns that right. I hope they feel it's a privilege and not a burden. Because if they feel it's a burden, then that would break my heart, because I love them. They love me enough to do a job that most people in my career as a pastor, do behind my back. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? They love me so much that they're willing to do the thing that other people want to do behind my back. They do it to my face, and I trust them. And I hope in saying that, that I don't want anybody to feel like I'm judging you if you've done something I've done behind your back. Trust me. Some of you guys are crazy. <laughs> you drive me nuts. No, I'm just kidding. But the point is, there are some people in my life that love me so much that I know where I stand with them. Yesterday, I'm going to tell this story about Mike. He's on my staff at Nightlife. And yesterday, we were at Costco. You know, we're having this beach cookout for Nightlife today. And I figured, you know what, a couple hundred bucks, some hamburgers, some hot dogs and buns, and we're going to have a good time. And you know what happens, right? You get to Costco. Uh Uh-oh. I need this. I need a new cooler. The other one's not shiny enough. And then you got to... Oh, this grill's not going to be big enough at the beach, and it's disgusting. we got to get a grill. And, and then we got plates and napkins and buns and ketchup and granola bars and speakers and music and footballs and, you know, and air conditioning and all these other things <laughs> you need for this beach party. And I'm up at the register, right? And I'm seeing the bill get higher and higher and higher. And I'm saying, Mike, if our kids don't show up, I'll be so pissed. And Mike says, and because Mike has been with me for over a year at Nightlife, right? So he's been for the ups and downs, and he's seen the good times and the bad times. And he says, Joe, get with the program. I said, what do you mean? He goes, if our kids don't come, we're there to get new ones anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, thanks, Pastor Mike. But you know what? I received it from Mike because I trust him. Because I know his motive was not to slam me and tell me what a terrible pastor I am. It was to encourage me. It was to hold me accountable in love. And I saw that as, and I hugged him afterwards. Thanks for that. It was affectionate accountability. Now I wanted to smack him in the face when he first said it, but that. (laughs) See, they love me to do a job that most people do behind my back. Sort of like the secret grumbling that Megan talked about last week. Because when you extend the privilege of affectionate accountability to people in your life that have earned it, think about the amazing affirmation and encouragement it is to them. Did you ever see that that allowing someone the privilege of affectionate accountability in your life is a way to love them. See, I'm going to flip your perspective on accountability. I said at the beginning of this, we need to love through accountability. It's the arrogance in us that says, that's right, in love I have to hold people accountable. Right? Who do we think we are? But in reality, affectionate accountability and loving through accountability is this. You know what? If I go up to you and I say, listen, Bruce Hedgepath, I want you to hold, he's not here so I can say this, no. If I go up to Bruce and I say, Bruce, I want you to hold me accountable in this area and this area, what am I really saying to Bruce? Bruce, I trust you. I love you. You have earned the right for this because of your walk with Christ and your walk with me. Will you please love me back 
by holding me accountable? How is Bruce going to feel about that? You know, when somebody comes up to me and says, Joe, can you help me with this? Especially when a young person that I've been working with for a while and I'm trying to develop a relationship in their life, and a young person comes up to me and says, Pastor Joe, will you help me? It is so humbling and so encouraging to me. I had a talk with a young person yesterday about some things. And afterwards, because I was, this is fresh in my mind because I'm preaching it, I said, thank you for letting me hold you accountable. It means a lot. See, if there are people that have earned the privilege, can you see how you can love them in this way? By allowing them to hold you accountable? Can you see how devoted, worshipful, affectionate accountability is the opposite of secret grumbling? Can you see that? Secret grumbling has no intimacy. Affectionate accountability is one of the deepest levels of intimacy. You see, love based on the gospel, this is important for you to understand, will naturally flow toward affectionate accountability. In reality, it's not something you have to force. If you truly have love based on the gospel, affectionate accountability will take place. True love goes deep, creates vulnerability, compassion, and straight talk. Everything else is a surface relationship that does nothing for growth and nothing for the kingdom. If there aren't any of these affectionate accountability relationships in your life, it's possible that love of brethren may not be in you. If you're part of a church but have no accountability, relationships, then you're not really part of the church. You're a perimeter player who has opportunity for grumbling but no affection. And it also shows that you're afraid to make commitments. 1 John 3.14, we started this series on Philippians with this verse. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So affectionate, account affectionate accountability is a natural byproduct of gospel-centered love. It's like this. When gravity is present, stuff falls. When true love is present, affectionate accountability will also be present. No accountability? Then there really is no love. Because accountability is love both ways. Yes, it takes love to hold someone accountable, but it takes love to allow somebody to hold you accountable. So I have an assignment for you this week. Uh-huh. Back in school, baby. I need you to make a short list of one, two, maybe three brothers or sisters in Christ that you trust. Have you been blessed with anyone in your life that has earned the privilege of affectionate accountability? Think about the way that you can affirm someone this week that you love. Hey, listen. You have been with me through good times and bad. You've seen my failures. You've had a big part in my successes. 
By the way, your spouse doesn't count. We assume that you have affectionate accountability there. Right, of course. Obviously. But guys, can you imagine the affirmation when you say to someone, you have meant so much to me. I'm giving you a privilege that not many people have. You have the right to intrude into my life and tell me when you see something. Why? Because I trust your motives. I see your track record. You have credibility. And I have great affection for you. That's your assignment this week. Find one, two, or three people in your life that have earned that privilege and love them by telling them, will you hold me accountable in this particular area or this area? Because I trust you. Does that make sense? You can love people by being accountable to them. So that's my message today. And what we're going to do, in case there's somebody in this room that that's the case, we've kind of arranged our schedule now that, you know, usually after the garden's done, you have to get out because we've got to get these chairs up, right? Get outside now. You don't have to do that anymore. Relax. Enjoy one another. Chill out. The band will play some music. And start thinking through that process in your head this week. Who can I show affectionate accountability to? Don't just automatically think, who can I call out on their sin? This is going to be fun. <laughs> who can I love by allowing them to call me out on my sin? It's one of the ultimate expressions of love, in my opinion. Heavenly Dad, we're so thankful for the love that you show us in the midst of our darkness. But also, Father, we're thankful that you put people in our life that can love us. Help us to love them by trusting them, by being vulnerable with them, by affirming to them, hey, you've got credibility. You've got history. You're allowed to call me out anytime, day or night. God, thank you for the gift of those relationships in our life. Help us this week to have a good time with this assignment. May we feel encouraged by those that we affirm. And may everything we do in this process this week bring a huge smile to your face. In Jesus' name. You guys are dismissed. If you're going to